0: Kutah siches chelik yutes Shabbos Nachmu, and this is also a siyum of Masech DeMakas. If the kefiloshna kasev in regards to the repetitive expression in the pasuk of this week's haftira, uh, Nachmu Nachmu ami, be comforted me, be comforted my people, my nation. Yomer lekechem will say Hashem. So the medes the medes said, Laku bekefilaim u'mesnachlim they were stricken in a double measure so they get comforted in a double measure that the uh, comfort that Hashem will offer will, will be double so you have to understand what exactly does it mean that there will be a double measure of comfort on the other hand as you do with the Kashuba Pastas it's well known the uh, question that is asked is why is it such a novel idea that they should be comforted in a double measure is given b'kiflayim, since they were stricken in a double measure so then it goes without saying that the comfort has to be at least in accordance with how much the, they were stricken so therefore obviously it's going to be a double comfort so, why is it such a novel idea? And that, uh, you know, Nachamu, Nachamu had said as if there is something unique and special about it when it should be the obvious. So, we'll understand this by first explaining that that which is written at the very end of the Over there, too, we find a double expression of comfort. Where the sages, the uh, friends of Rabbi Akiva, said to him, "Akiva nechamtanu, Akiva nechamtanu. Akiva, you have comforted us. Akiva, you have comforted us." Over so there too, it's the discussion was about the destruction and the gollas. And over so there too, is the double expression of "you comforted us." So we have to explain that. So we have to explain that and it's similar to what we know that things which are written in the written Torah are explained and elaborated on in the oral Torah in the Gemara and the Mishnah and so on so therefore here too the Nachmu Nachmu is written in the Prophets and the story of Rabbi Kiva is in the Teresh Pet. so this will explain that which is written in Nachmu Nachmu Base. At the end of the the Gemara tells us, And it happened that these four sages, sages—Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi and Rabbi, Rabbi Shua and Rabbi Kiva, were walking on the road. They were approaching Rome. And they heard the tumult, the the great sounds of the activities happening in Rome. They heard it from 120 miles, a uh, kilometers away. So the, it, such a great din and tumult that was coming from Rome. In other words, that there was really a lot of stuff going on there. It was a center of a metropolis and a center of uh, commerce and everything else. And he's chilu so they began to cry. But Rabbi Kiva Masachik, Rabbi Kiva was laughing. Amruloi mipnei matam So they said to him, "Why are you laughing?" he said to them, "Vatam mipnei atam beichem. Why are you crying?" Amruloi. So they said to them, "Alolu kushim mishdaach from latzobim mekaten labeiz kechabed. These, let's call it pagans, that bow down to sticks and stones, and they burn incense to idol worship." betach uh, they sit in comfort they are secure they sit in security whereas us the house in which hashem rested his feet meaning the beis is burnt in the fire of should we not cry Amalehem, say said to them le'kahanim that's the reason why i'm laughing if Hashem did say, show such favor even to the ones who violate His will how much more so to the ones that do His will the Yidden will have much more than them another time it happened they were approaching Yerushalayim when they came to Mount Scopus where they could see Yerushalayim and they tore their garments as is uh, required, that when you see the and you tear your garments. The then when they arrived at the Harabayas, Roshul, they saw a fox running out of the area which had been the Kedush Kadash, the holy of holies. His Baychim, they began to cry once again Rabakib Rabbi Rabakiv was laughing. so they said to him why are you laughing? he said to them why are you crying? in regards to that space about which it says, that the the non Kayan that would approach that place, meaning the Kedish hakadoshin shall die. It's such a holy place that even a non kayan even a Jew I mean, people are not allowed to go there. The now foxes run wild there. The lay Nifke, should we not cry? Am lemsay seten lakakh <laughs> ani mesakhik that's the very reason I'm laughing. The <laughs> Dexi as it says in the Posukva Idi li Adim Ne'monim. The prophet says, "I take to me trustworthy witnesses," as Uriah Kayim vs. Khari ben Ye These two prophets, Uriah Kayim and Khari. So that's what the Posuk says. So the, the Gemara asks or Rava Kiva asks, "Khay ma inen Uriah et Zechariah?" What's the connection between Uriah and Zechariah? How is he taking these two as witnesses? Uriah b'migdash rishon. Uriah lived in the first base of Mishra. Zechariah lived during the time of the second base of They weren't contemporaries at all. So how does he bring them together as being the witnesses? Ella, <speaking> rather, <in Hebrew> what the Pasuk is saying, What the Pasuk is trying to say here is he drew a, an, an, a comparison between the prophecy of Zechariah and the prophecy of Uriah what does it say what was the prophecy of Uriah therefore because of you he said to the Jewish people Zechariah in Yerushalayim will be undermined under plowed like a field As what that, in other words it was destroyed so that's the prophecy of the destruction of Yerushalayim. The Zechariah "What does it say about Zechariah? By Zechariah, old ye shuus kenim, There will come a time when the old men and the old women will sit in the streets of Yerushalayim. In other words, it will be rebuilt and sit in security." So therefore, Rabbi Kiva said, "Actually, in the time of till the prophecy of Uriah was fulfilled, I worried." that the prophecy of Zechariah, which says that Yerushalayim will be rebuilt, will not happen. Now that I see that the prophecy of Uriah was fulfilled and that Yerushalayim is plowed under in utter and complete destruction and and the foxes run in the place of the Besamigdash. Um, so I am now assured I know for sure that the prophecy of Zechariah will also be fulfilled so they responded to him with these words Akiva, nechamtonu, Akiva, nechamtonu, Akiva you have comforted us Akiva you have comforted us that's the story in the end of Masech Damakas so about this. now is even though this Gemara is of course of the uh, of the homiletic part of the Gemara. It's not necessarily speaking about halacha. It tells about the stories and other ish um, areas of Torah not related specifically to halacha. And we know the rule that you can uh, you cannot necessarily Learn a halacha from a story in the Gemara is does is that would only be if somehow the story contradicts something that we know to be the halacha so we say you can't um, contradict the halacha from the story in the Gemara but if it's not in contradiction in contradiction to the halacha in you could learn matters of halacha from the stories as well and you can rely on what the story in the Gemara says as long as it doesn't contradict the halacha and another thing even if you want to accept if you want to go with the approach that you cannot learn a halacha in how to actually go about how to observe from a story came in plan, but at least an idea and a concept of Aloha, you certainly could learn from the story. Maybe not you can't apply it to actual this is how it needs to be done, but to understand the uh, the theory of Allah for sure, you should be able to learn from our god. in addition to these two things has been done in our case, Nishnor nordibri agada. It's not only a, a, um, words of aggadah or a maaser but This is actually a story which happened with great sages, a maaser something that they actually did. It tells of the 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 observance of how they conducted themselves. These were the greatest sages of the Mishnah, Rabbi Kiver, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Shua. And the, the Braisa actually takes the trouble to name the sages so that we know who they are. We know that they are reliable sources for halacha as well, including Kiva, Vaskula Gans Terech Valpez, Alibi That we, it says that the whole Mishnah is all taught in the opinion of Rabbi Kiva. All of his students, they taught the Mishnah in his opinion. According to his teachings, so basically the entire halacha goes according to Rabbi Kiva. And this is a story about how he conducted himself. Is moving by pashta, so it's clearly understood as in them that in this story there must be some ideas of how the halacha is to be carried out. as in them in fall uh, and especially that in the second story it doesn't just tell us about they cried, they laughed and that nor and it also actually states a halacha what happened there. It says how they observed the halacha telling us that Kibin that as soon as they arrived at Mount Scopus they tore their garments. The dina elu because that is how one must conduct themselves when they see Yerushalayim in its destruction. So it actually records what they did in accordance with Allah Al So based on this, we have to understand the And as the Gemara says, expresses this question in a number of places. my What is the basis of their dispute? why Rabbi Kiva went one way and the other sages went the other way. What are the ideas behind the underpinnings of halacha? Which are the reasons why those sages were in dispute with Rabbi Kiva and the dispute went from one extreme to the other they cried and he laughed that's two extreme opposites so why is it that they were crying and he was laughing we have to understand what is their what's the thinking behind the way they conducted themselves and the way Rabbi Kiva conducted himself. and even though the Gemara concludes that eventually they said Akiba, you have comforted us in other words they came around to seeing it in the way he saw it, is the Chmuvan, as Zeir Havamin was Beichin, it's still understood that their original thought, that they st- cried, Hotanortin Svaras halacha, of course, has place in Halacha as well. They didn't do things without having thought them through, they didn't react in ways which were not in accordance with Torah. So, therefore, if they, at the beginning, they cried, there must have been a reason why they cried. There must have been some. Thought process which brought them to that reaction. Especially that in the first story, they didn't say "Akiva nechamtanu." It only says that after the second story. In other words, that they kept to their approach. is And especially that we see that even though Rabbi Akiva explained his position to them after the first story in Rome, later at a different time when they came to to Yerushalayim, they didn't say, oh, well, Rabbi Akiva already explained to us his position, so now there's no need to cry when we see Yerushalayim. No, they didn't say that. They cried when they arrived in Yerushalayim too, when they saw the foxes running. So, therefore, obviously, they kept to their method of thinking even after Rabbi Kiva explained his position. So, we have to un- so in other words, they still kept to their think- way of thinking. So, we have to understand what is their way of thinking and what is Rabbi Kiva's way of thinking. Gimel. We have to understand also a few uh, specifics about the way the story is related two stories are related amongst those questions are number one what was Rav asking why are you cry, crying it's an obvious thing why one should cry that when you hear the great tumult of Rome but the ones they are the ones that destroyed the Beis obafrad especially in the second story as when they actually saw in front of their eyes the great destruction they saw observed the great destruction of the shul beis they saw it in the in the in the fact that a fox was running around in the beis the place of the kature obviously that should bring out a feeling of mourning and crying and so on. So why is he asking them, why are you crying? Another thing, is even more of a question in, but this that is told in the second story. that when they arrived at the Mount Scopus, they tore their garments. It's obvious from that story because it doesn't say anything other than what we're going to say now. So it must be that that's what happened. Also, Rabbi Kiva also tore his garments. It doesn't say Rabbi Kiva didn't tear his garments. Obviously, he did too. Which means that Rabbi Kiva himself also was mourning the destruction. To the degree that he tore his garments, is then, why is he asking them? Why are you crying? He himself just tore his garments. Number three, that we have to understand the pasuk the pasuk that he quoted, or that they quoted, that anyone that is not a stranger, which means a non koyin, that gets close to doing the in the base of shall die. the that is not describing that if somebody who is a non Kayan God goes into the Kadesh gadoshim, he will die. That's not what that puzzle is talking about at all. Norveg Nazar was and Aveden Beis It's talking about a non Kayan that does work, that does service in the Beis Bibal does das Tanoimam givolt madgizayin dem Yisra filufun And since their point was to emphasize that one is not allowed to even enter into the place of the Kedosh HaKadoshim. Never mind do, do a uh, service there. Not even to step foot in there. They should have quoted the pasik which brings out that point, which is the pasik that says, That is he, meaning the Kayin Gadol, shall not come at any time that he wants into the Holy of Holies. That's what the Pasik says. Where that posse clearly states as a fila like that even the high priest, Tarnisharaina Gadoshim, is not allowed to enter the Kedesh Gadoshim all year except for on Yom Kippur. So that should have been the posse that they quoted. A fourth thing that we have to understand. What is Rabbi Kiva saying? What does he have in mind when he says, Atshulaina Skaiman Vos or Shaluria? As long as I didn't see that Uriah's uh, prophecy was fulfilled, I was worried that Uriah's prophecy will not be fulfilled. How could Rabbi Kiva say, what does it mean? He had doubts whether the prophecy of a prophet of Hashem would be fulfilled? Rabbi Kiva had doubts? especially in accordance with, uh, based on what the Chazal tell us, that any word that comes from Hashem, in which He says that He will do something good, even if He puts a condition on that, I'll do so, uh, this good thing, if you do so and so, but once He said that He'll do this good thing, even though He put a condition on it, and the condition was not fulfilled, He does not go back on His word so based on this how could Rabbi Kiva think that the prophecy that Azharia is saying in the name of Hashem will not be fulfilled a fifth uh, question why does Rabbi Kiva quote that um, prophecy that Uriah said that Zion, and Yerushalayim will be underplowed like a field why doesn't he b- quote, I mean there are many prophecies that were said about the destruction of, and then of course uh, in response the uh, the rebuilding or the redemption. So why did he pick this particular prophecy about the under plowing of the city of Yerushalayim? He was responding to something about the, the fox in the Beis Amidas. Why did he pick this pasuk? What is it about this pasuk that made Rabbi Kiva choose this one. Number six. Why does the Gemara tell us the names of every single one of the sages that was there with Rabbi Kiva? What's most important, of course, is that Rabbi Kiva had a different opinion of what they said. So it could have said it the way it's brought in many places in the Gemara, Rabbi Kiva that Rabbi Kiva and the other elders were so-and-so, and goes on to tell whatever the story was. So why here does he actually enumerate each one of the sages that were there, Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi and Why do we need to know which exact sages were there that were disagreeing with Rabbi Kiva on this point? Number seven that we have to understand. Why is it that they responded to Rabbi Kibbe, you have comforted us? Why only after the second story, but they didn't say it about the first story, where, which happened in Rome, outside Rome. An eighth thing that we have to understand, The Gemara says, in these very words, they responded to Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva, you have comforted us, Rabbi Kiva, you have comforted us. Why is there so much repetition, twice you comforted us, and that the Gemara emphasizes, these are the words that they use, why does the Gemara have to say something like that? Could have simply said, uh, they said to Rabbi Kiva, you have comforted us, you have comforted us. The Marshals, The Masha responds to these two questions, to the sixth, seventh, and eighth question about why they responded only by the second one and not by the first one and why they repeated it. That Kiflu Advarim, kaflu Advarim, they repeated the words, you have comforted us, you have comforted us twice. Al Shem Shnei It goes on both those stories. It's meant to go back, you comforted us in the first instance You comforted us in the second instance. This answer also needs to be explained. Because these two two stories didn't happen the same day or the same week. They happened very far from each other. To travel from Rome to Yerushalayim is a very big distance and it doesn't take a short time. So those were stories that did not happen immediately after each other. The first story happened when they were traveling to, uh, approaching Rome. When the zweite shuv uh, The second story happened another time when they were going to Yerushalayim. So how could the Marshal say that by in one answer they said akibin referring back to a story that could have happened months earlier perhaps we can simply answer it this way in both of these stories we see the position of the three sages on the one hand and the position of Rabbi Kiva on the other hand The three sages, they saw in these terrible events the negative aspect of it. That's what they saw. When Rabbi Kiva also saw there is a positive side to it. There's a silver lining to this event. He was able to see that. When Rabbi Kiva gave and that Rabbi Kiva goes in his famous dictum, goes according to his famous dictum, as quoted elsewhere in the Gemara, A person should always be accustomed to saying, whatever Hashem does, he does for the good. That was what Rabbi Kiva said, and that's how he used to conduct himself. So therefore, he also. Lived in that way, he always saw that there was a positive side to everything that was happening. As the Gemara tells the story there, that that's what he actually did. The story that the Gemara tells, a well-known story. Rabbi Kiva was traveling uh, with a donkey and a um, rooster and a candle as he would travel. And he came to a city and he wanted to sleep over in an in inn somewhere, but nobody would let him into the house. Nobody would accept him. So he had to sleep outside the city limits. And in the middle of the night, the uh, lion came and uh, killed his donkey. And then another animal came and killed his rooster. And then uh, the wind blew out his candle, so he remained in the dark outside the city. And each time he said, whatever Hashem does, he does for the best. It turned out that the, that city was attacked by murderers that night and because he was outside the city not sleeping there and because they didn't see him or they didn't hear his donkey braying or they didn't hear the rooster crowing so they were unaware of him and therefore he was spared he was saved from being killed so he saw how all of these things were done for the good for his own safety so therefore, Why the Gemara brings both of these stories in one long, you know, as a continuation to each other, even though they happened at different times. Although they happened at different times and in different places, but the reason is, it's not just that they happen to happen by to the same thing four sages, that's not the only reason nor because in both of these stories we find the same principle expressed about uh, what the approach of Rabbi Kiva was because he saw now while the thing that was happening in a negative way he saw in the negative event that there was a positive outcome waiting to happen the tale the the positive outcome that would come later. Rabbi Kiva saw in both of these events the positive outcomes, and that's why he tells it together. Hey, but based on this, we have to understand number one that of If the the point that is being brought out by all of these sto- both of these stories in and including also Rabbi Kiva's well-known dictum the story that is told over there if all of them are telling the same message then we have to understand why does the Gemara have to tell us each one of those stories if the point is the same there's no point repeating the same story again or the same idea again and again even though it happened in different ways what is novel about Rabbi Kiva's approach that is found in these two stories called as opposed to simply stating or the story that is told over there that he said whatever Hashem does he does for the good if they're all telling the same message why repeat it three times as the Gemara always says if the Gemara repeats something it's because there's something novel and new that is added by telling the additional story because we wouldn't have known it from the previous two stories so we have to understand what, what it is in each one of them. Number two, we have to understand. A person should always, Rabbi Kiva would say, that anything that a person uh, a person should always be accustomed to saying, whatever Hashem does, He does for the good. Is a claw in This is a rule, which we don't find that anybody disputes or disagrees with this. Approach with what Rabbi Kiva said. In fact, the Shulchan Aruch writes that as a p'sak as a final ruling. So it doesn't make it doesn't stand to reason that these three sages argued against Rabbi Kiva on that point. They must have agreed with that point as well. and even more. So, it doesn't make sense to say that they disputed with Rabbi Kiba on that point, and especially that even after they said Akiva Nacham Tanu, it doesn't say that they went back on the way they were. They thought one should approach this situation. In other words, if it happened again, would they not cry? We see that they did cry, even though Rabbi Kiva explained himself in the previous story. So we see that they stuck to their approach. But they still, he offered comfort, so they accepted the comfort. So are they arguing with Rabakiva on this point of everything should be, you should always say that Hashem does everything for the best. They disagree with that? If that's the point of, the, of this, these stories, how are they disagreeing with that? They're not disagreeing with that number three that we have to understand now based on this explanation that it's all about uh, Rabbi Kiva's position that you should see always the good Rabbi Kiva should have articulated if that's the point why didn't Rabbi Kiva articulate that point by telling them whatever Hashem does is for the good and then he can go on to explain how it's for the good in this case then if it's still necessary in other words they don't accept it on the face just as a philosophical idea he can actually explain to them how it comes out for the good by giving his two explanations but the, the basis of the, of the philosophy he should have said right away one minute he could have explained that one moment not a minute so we we'll understand all this by first explaining the simple meaning of the Gemara. The simple story of the Gemara. The time of the from Rabbi Kiva is to answer the question that we asked before. How could Rabbi Kiva ask them why are you crying? So what he was asking was this since they began to cry when they heard the tumult coming from Rome. They didn't cry earlier. Now is when they started crying. Is the fun mochach, from this it's obvious, bechia, them etzim is That they weren't crying just because Rome has such power and it's such a terrible situation, so they, they're in a constant state of crying because of that terrible thing. That was not what they were crying about they knew about the Rome's position and its power before they set out on the road to Rome. even more the very fact that they were going to Rome and the reason that they traveled to Rome was because they were imposing decrees on the Jewish people, and they went to convince them to remove those decrees. So they knew what the po- that the power that Rome wielded over Israel is machmas of agolus, and the, that is because of the intensity of the golus. That's why they had the power to the to issue decrees, and they did issue terrible decrees, and they had to go and convince them otherwise. So they were well aware of the power of Rome. Well, not letters and but the same also in the second story. They weren't crying because they came, they, they realized the Khurban, the destruction of the Shalaiim of the base of the In fact, when they were confronted with the Khurban, when they came to Mount Scopus, what did they do? It doesn't say they started crying. They tore their garments. That's what they did, not cried. So therefore, is given, so what was the reason that they were crying?. What triggered their crying was when they saw the fox coming out of the of the not the very fact that the Besamiggsh is in a state of destruction. So that's why Rabbi Kiva asked them, why are you crying? Vos is by Zay its He was saying, "What is it that happened now in both stories that this triggered that you should start crying?" For them is that they, this caused you to begin to cry. Zion, Zayir emphasized Rabakiva. So their response to Rabbi Kiva was, "Halalu kushim these pagans They sit in comfort and security." the onobase hado imraglayl keniso ro baish whereas we the house where ashem dwelled is burnt in fire piru what do they mean by that the edsam zach was mauchsremi a matze from better just the fact that rome is in such a state of power and security in gashmues die sachen in their material uh, things that they have hatzasen tyfus machen gewen bisel that wasn't something that would have made them cry they weren't that wasn't something that they worried them to make them cry other <inaudible> to the contrary those is remis for betach the fact that rome is is the superpower and is, is so sec- is so secure so powerful is galut <inaudible> yisrael that was actually something that was for the benefit of the yidden why ba'adri <inaudible> Because the levonin falls to the Mighty One. In other words, that if the Jews have to suffer a destruction, at the hands of whom should they suffer that destruction? At a two-bit country or to a powerful country? Of course to a powerful, powerful country. But Since everything in, when you talk about insulting, embarrassing someone... It all is in accordance with who is doing the insulting, who is being insulted. So if, uh, if somebody, uh, a big, uh, an important personality says something to you that is insulting, so it's not so terrible. At least he spoke to me. It's, it isn't as insulting as if a uh, uh, nobody insults an important person. So is the bush uh Aphil Kleneraven in a of and so therefore it's a much less of an insult when the Levonin, which means the Besamidash, that's a euphemism for the Besamigdash, is Dafkadur Kamal fell through a superpower. That was designed by Ashem that it should be a superpower that should be the ones to destroy the Besamigdash. At least it's the superpower. It's not some two bit country. And that's why they weren't concerned over the fact that, that uh, Rome was a superpower. That's not what drove them to cry. That's for the benefit of the Yiddin. Which, of course, explains so well. They didn't say to Rabbi Kiva, these Romans who destroyed the Beis Hamikdash and they uh, dwell in such power. They didn't say that. They said that these uh, Romans that worship idols, they sit in security while, you know, the Beis Hamidosh is destroyed. is, of a They didn't say that, that the ones that destroyed the Beis Hamidosh are dwell in such power. Fal <laughs> Adarabah, because they they wouldn't have said that, because to the contrary, Dasut they recognized that the fact that they are the powerful people, that was what Hashem wanted. For the benefit of the Yidden, that they should it should be the powerful ones that destroy the Beis Hamidras. the that eases the insult that happened as the Yidden felt in destruction. The Beis HaMiddush felt the destruction. So Yatina is given. What was there uh, the problem? Does Why did they cry? Does v'sreimige finzir and a from better In the Tsait was Onu Beisadim Ragweinu Beis Ragweinu Soruf Beish. Their problem was that now that the Beisam Gedish is already destroyed, and yet they still dwell in power. Is a shem Shemayim Noisib of Chilashem Yisroel. That this is a terrible Chilashem and also a hill of the jew the name of the Jewish people, of the honor of the Jewish people, even more so since the whole point of the Romans having power was just so that they should be the one to be destroying the Be in order to soften the blow. So then why are they still powerful? Now the Beis Amidish is already destroyed. They should fall into destruction too, into the disrepair. And why are they still in comfort and security? When the Beis HaMidosh is already burnt, it's already passed. Now they should also spiral into failure. So it's a double thing. First of all, the fact that they are in power while the base is in destruction is a chill Hashem, a double and additional chill Hashem to the destruction itself. And also, why do they still have to be in power? Same also in regards to the second event. When they saw the fox coming out of the Kedush they also saw in that. A terrible desecration of Hashem's name and the desecration of the Jewish name. Karab Yumas, that a place about which it says that a stranger that approaches will die. As Tard a non Kayan is not allowed to even go close to that place. Kain Godel, the He's talking about is uh, not only a Kayan, not any yid, even a kayan gadol, who is the kodesh gadashim amongst the Jews. You know, the kodesh gadashim was a space, but in the people, amongst the people, the Kayan gadol is the kodesh gadashim. So even he, tar D'Art nisharayin, even he is not allowed to go into that place. Eisar ayar except for once a year, Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur. and even on Yom Kippur, it's only bazais Dafka Yahweh only when he's going to do the service. He's not allowed to walk in any time on Yom Kippur, only when he's going to do the service in the, in the Kedesh Gadashim. In other words, even the kayan Gadol, any other time other than when he's supposed to be in there doing service on Yom Kippur, he's considered a stranger to that place. And now foxes run wild there says the is given, in other words, that what the point that they were making was and it's true that there is a Hashem decided, the creed that the base of it should be destroyed. and and that the Eden should be banished into Gaulus. But why does it have to come along with such a terrible desecration of Hashem's name and the desecration of the Jewish name? You can punish them, but why does it have to come along with such insult and degradation? Number one, Malchus On the one hand, the the, the uh, Romans don't have to remain in their su- as a superpower. Once the base of is already destroyed, the uh, having them as a superpower has already served its purpose. Now they should also. Decline because they should be shown that they, they destroyed the Beis HaMikdosh. They should fall into decline. Number two, the Nevu's Achorb and Tzi and Shadr to Karush had to have to have the have been have to have the The the, uh, prophecy that the that Yerushalayim will have underplowed, could have been uh, could have been done to some other area of the Beis HaMikdash. Why did it have to happen to the holiest of holy, to the Kedosh HaKadoshim? A place where even the holiest amongst the Jews is considered a stranger as far as going into there other than that one time during the year. In other words, that the, the cry, they didn't cry over the destruction of the Beis Semitesh, they cried over the terrible Chil Hashem, and the Chil, the desecration of the Yidden, which came along with the Chorban. Why does it have to be so, such a deep Chil Hashem? That was their, the reason that they cried. Ches and to this Rabbi Kiva answered if this is what Hashem does to the people that violate His will how much more so will He do for those who do His, fulfill His will says, the meaning of the response is it's true that while Rome sits in security and power while the Beis destroyed is destroyed it's true that it's a desecration of Hashem's name and the Jewish name but as a result of this the reward will be in accordance with the depth of the degradation the reward will be in accordance with that much greater than what normally expected because if he does this, if he gives such power and comfort and so on to the Romans, to the ones who violate his will, how much more so will he do for the ones who keep his will? So Rabbi Kiva saw in the success that Rome was enjoying and even in the fact that this created such a terrible khillashem a he saw it He saw that this leads to a greater reward for the Yidin That's how he looked at it. He saw the Hashem. He saw the terrible desecration. But he saw that this is this leads, this is the reason why the Yidin will get so much more reward. Now that is similarly also in the second story in, since the prophecy that Hashem prophesied, that the prophet said in the name of Hashem about the destruction, and how was it fulfilled, not at the minimum level. It was fulfilled at the maximum level. It wasn't necessary for a fox to have to roam around the in the Ka Gadashim. But that happened too, so that the destruction was fulfilled to its absolute ultimate measure. Is that in itself is proof, as the Nevuah and Zecharia that when the, the Zecharia prophesized about the Geulah, what will happen there? That will also be fulfilled at the very highest possible way, because the Geulah can also come about in many ways. To some degree or to a greater degree or to an even greater degree. So if the Khorbin came out in its deepest way, then the Gaul will come out in its highest way. It's not that Rabbi Akiva had any doubt that the prophecy of Zechariah would be fulfilled. Of course he had no doubt about that. The Sufi is Norgiven. The only question was, in how will that prophecy play out? Will it come out in its absolute highest way, or not? As we find by a number of prophecies, or of that the Torah says that there could be different ways in which it come, it, it's, it is allowed to happen. As we find in the case of a, a field that is plowed. And here the Rebbe is answering why he chose this pasuk to bring out the point. Why did he choose that pasuk of Tziyan Sadat Achorosh to bring out the, uh, the destruction? So here's the answer to that question. Why he chose the pasuk Tziyan Sadat Achorosh? Because that brings out this point. In what way? fal is Sadat Achorosh like in the case of a field that is plowed the purpose of plowing a field is of course that it should uh, give it should produce uh, fruit, produce so there are different ways in the produce that the produce could come forth different prophecies that were said about that there is what the Torah says you will gather in your uh, produce normal yield a normal yield but then it could be more like it says by Yitzchak he reaped a hundred times what he expected. That's another level. noch could be even more. that the size of, the, of each wheat will be like the size of a kidney. That is a much greater blessing. noch go even more. Which what will come when Mashiach comes the be that the one ploughing the field will meet the one reaping the field in other words he finished plowing one row as he comes back on the other row the guy is already reaping the the row that he plowed only a few minutes ago the it'll be like polaroid instant fruit instant produce it'll grow in minutes in other words that there are different levels of how these prophecies these blessings can come about so, how do we? Uh, I didn't know how the prophecy of Zechariah would be fulfilled. It could be on a basic level, it could be on a higher level, it could be the very highest level. So, I see if the destruction came in the deepest level, so then the, pro- the, uh, the Gaula will come in the greatest level as well. Now, I know how the prophecy of Zechariah will be fulfilled so that's why when when Ab saw the way in which the prophecy of Uriah about the destruction happened he saw that the prophecy of Zechariah about the redemption would also be in the very highest way possible. is moving so based on this we can understand the the why he brings this this. This prophecy that inu from cherisha tsada um unish kalamach is nish toif chalamach and the tsada because the purpose of under uh, the reason why one plows a field is not in order to ruin the field nor other but to the contrary cherisha is a hechre k'de the tsada zal komel shleimusa the you need you have to have plowing in order that the, the the field should be able to give its yield as the passage says the earth will give its uh, yield and it's only through the plowing that the the planting and the growing can then come as it should and the more you plow the field the better the planting the sowing will be and the better the reaping will be now, that is therefore similar to in our situation, the is Bedung He understood, Rabbi Kiva pointed out that the, the destruction of the Beisamigdesh is similar to the plowing of a field. That it's only in accordance with how much of a plowing, how much of a destruction there is, in accordance with this comes also the yield, the blessing of the Ge'ulah. On the river, and therefore, when Rabbi Kibbutz the korban, the the grech, the when Rabbi saw that the destruction, the plowing was to such a deep degree that it brought with it such a terrible chilul Hashem and the chilul Hashem more than was you would think that was necessary, bis tum that it affected even the place of the kedusha gadashim, is by M This in itself was to him the proof that the Geula, the the prophecy of Zechariah would also be at the highest way, in the highest way possible not just some mid-level Geula, but it will be just like the destruction was in the deepest way the Geula will be in the highest way Test. based on this we can explain why they disagreed on this point, what were they disagreeing about that their disagreement was in accordance with a general uh, question that we can find in regards to a number of mitzvahs the question is whether you have to consider now when there is something to be done now which can have an effect on something that you will have to do later there's a mitzvah that happens now. There's a mitzvah that hap- has to happen later. And what you do now will have an effect on what h- will happen later. So how do you make your decision? For instance, Al dogma. As an example. fasten fasten Yom Kippur. If there's a person that is too weak, to be able to fast two times in one week. So therefore Tzum is one week before Yom Kippur. If he fasts on Sum Gedalia, he will not be able to fast in Yom Kippur. That's what the doctors say. He's not going to be able to do two fasts. So the question is, see, Megir und Dar on What should he do? Should he. Now there is a mitzvah to fast on Sum Gedalia. Fast on Sum Gedalia. That's the mitzvah. That's the current mitzvah. Do the current mitzvah. Um, is he permitted to do that? Should he do that? fasting now on Tzum Gedalia is only a, a, a prophet from the prophets, it's mentioned in the prophets but it's not in the Torah Tzum Gedalia even though if he fasts now he will not be able to fulfill the mitzvah of fasting which the Torah commands that you should fast on Yom Kippur he won't be able to because at that time he'll be too weak or there, or rather, what he should do is a fast on Sum He should not fast on Sum Gedalia. He's not permitted to fast on there's all kind of fast on Yom so that he'll be able to do the more important fast, which is on Yom Kippur. So, what we? How do we look at this? Do we do what is present? Do what you have to do now, and whatever happens later will happen later. If you can't fast, you can't fast. So we say no. That's in a more important fast. Sacrifice the fast of Tzum Gidalia so that you can fast the the fast of Yom Kippur. So there are two ways of looking at this. There's a dispute about how to go. What what do you do in such a situation? And perhaps this is also the explanation of the difference of opinion in this matter between Rabbi Kiva and the other sages, in regards to the Chil Hashem that was happening at the time. They were witnessing a terrible Chil Hashem of such terrible destruction that happened, which brought with it the great Chil laShem now which will eventually bring a greater reward for the Yidden. As a greater Geula, as in eventually there will be a great Kiddush Hashem, that the Yidden will be not just on top, but on top of on top of on top, on a much higher level. So is it worth it to have a, an immediate Kiddush Hashem now, so that there will be a greater Kiddush Hashem later, or is it better that that should be, you should mitigate the khilasham now even though eventually it will not lead to such a great Kiddush Hashem? rabon gamli obraba ki rabu lazmina zarabi you shua haltan those sages felt as we bal behave the khilasham gol since now there is a terrible khilasham is nishma khriya daz fasla akhaz man bad the kum and so that does not mitigate that does not um excuse the fact that later there will be a greater Kiddush Hashem what we have to do is consider the situation as it is now since now there is such a non-Kiddush in other words a Chil Hashem and a Chil Hashem Yisro is thus so, therefore, when they look at the situation as it is now, although eventually it'll lead to a greater Kiddush Hashem, but look at it now. Consider the facts that, as they are now. This led them to cry. Rabbi Kiva Rabbi Kiva holds, that even now, when you see the destruction, because you know that it's leading to something much, much greater. As a result there will be a much greater future. It's worth it now to Under Liber Hawtor Rabakiva Azibaldas Fundem Khilashem the Khiloshem Israel that since as a result of the current Khilashem and Khiloshem Israel. Vet the Nocharuiskovana Iliviisin Kidas Hashem Kidashem Yisrael, this will lead to a much greater Kidash Hashem in the future. Ba Gullah Vasid in the time of the Gullah but therefore even now he was he saw that. He focused on that. At so he looked at the situation, he said, This is reason to rejoice. This is reason to celebrate. and we could say also the is that this machle is also dependent on another general question in regards to uh, weighing two situations against each other, which is even closer to our uh, subject. The question there would be, if there is a situation in which you can can fulfill a mitzvah in all of its detail, you can catch every detail that is uh, required or that should accompany this mitzvah, but them fell in close from the mitzvah. But if you try to capture every detail, then you lose on the general hiddur of the mitzvah. It'll have to be compromised. The hiddur mitzvah will have to be compromised. oli idah on the other hand, and the mitzvah If you will fulfill the mitzvah in its most hiddur way, that fell prat, you will have to give up on a detail of the fulfillment of this mitzvah. Sheineli kuba, of course. We're talking about a detail which does not undermine the fulfillment of the mitzvah. It's not a, a detail which is essential to the mitzvah, but still a detail of the mitzvah. Is the Shailah, Vosses machriya? so the question is, should you give up on the detail in order to get a general Hidur, the general sense of Hidur, or should you give up on the general sense of Hidur to be able to capture every detail? The Kiyom HaMitzvah V'chol Prateh, other the Hidur in a HaMitzvah, do we look for being able to fulfill every nuance of the mitzvah, or is it better to get a general sense of hidr, even if you have to give up on a nuance? Addugmelaz, as an example, the lay Mamish, but it's not exactly the, the, the situation, is the Shailos by Bris Brismila is the well known question of the uh, later Poskim uh, in regards to a, a, a mil, a bris mila. when sh- When to do the bris? if you will make the bris in the morning why do you want to do the bris in the morning because this brings in the detail of people that are on top of things they immediately jump on the first opportunity to do the mitzvah you can do the bris in the morning you should immediately do the bris this way you capture every detail also the detail of you do it as soon as you can but if you do that you're not going to be able to get a crowd to the to the bris the crowd is running off to work so they're not going to come early in the morning to your bris if you make it late in the afternoon everybody when everybody comes home from work in the summer when you can still do a bris in the, in the late afternoon then you'll have a big crowd there is a certain hidur mitzvah in having a big crowd at the bris that's the beauty of the beautifies the king and his mitzvahs but if you delay the bris for a later time as I said you will miss that detail of the mitzvah which is that you should do it immediately but through this you will be able to fulfill the hither mitzvah of there should be a Nice crowd at the bris, thus is machriya. Which one takes precedence? Should you do it in the morning, miss out on the crowd, or should you do it in the afternoon, miss out on the detail of doing it immediately? And there's a similar. Similar situations which come up in different uh, situations of mitzvahs. If by delaying the mitzvah to doing it later, you'll be able to fulfill it in a much more beautiful way, in a much more hidrudik way. The Rebbe brings a few examples in the Ha'orah. He says that, uh, you know... If uh, in to, ki- to do the Kiddush Levana, it's preferred to do it on Mitzvah Shabbos, but, uh, mitzvah Shabbos because you're dressed Shabbastic. So in order to do the mitzvah when you're dressed for the occasion. But then you, you, have, you can actually do it on Monday already. Monday is already a time when you can do it. Should you wait for Mitzvah Shabbos or should you do it as, as soon as you can? Or another example is you have a, uh, a Lulavan and an which are of mid-level or not the most beautiful Luluv and esrig but you have it now. Or should you wait? Somebody's coming along later in the day with a beautiful uh, Luluv and Esrig, you can wait until he comes and do it then with a much beautiful more beautiful Luluv and Esrig. So therefore, an dem is Bashtana and this too was the point of contention between Rabakiva and the other sages. as the fact that the Yidin will be rewarded for doing the And that when the Gola comes, the Yidin will be honored and Hashem's name will be honored, that goes without saying. That's obvious. The Shailah is the question is The Romans, which worship idols, they sit in security, but on no base and where is the base of is destroyed? On Shul, the Yesh Shiyets in the base Kedusha Gadash that the fox runs wild in the base Kedusha Gadash yumas, and that the place where uh, even a Kohen was not allowed to go, uh, or would die if he went. There's now foxes there. Is the Shen Itzdan Inyim from Chil Hashem Shemaim? That is already happening right now. That's a Chil that is happening right now. Achasodin and Etzam Inyim from Kiddush Hashem Shemaim there is a terrible lack in Kiddush Shem On the other hand, the fact that this will eventually will bring that the Yidden will be rewarded in a much greater way. And that Zechariah's prophecy will be fulfilled in the most amazing way possible. Is an inya fun hidur and taises. That's just something which is, it'll happen in a more beautiful way. So, and you know, in addition to the regular uh, mitzvah, full gu'ulah that will be, it'll happen in an even higher way, in a more beautiful way. So it's a conflict between the hidur that will come eventually and the terrible chilashem that is happening now. In Eirech Yam and that it'll be. Uh, it will be in a much greater way. That will it will last forever, and that uh, you know so on. and this will lead to a greater Kiddush Hashem and the Hidr of the Kiddush Hashem that will happen eventually. So the question is, which takes precedence? Does do we give up on a terrible Chilul Hashem that is happening now, so that there will be a greater Hidr later, or do we say we shouldn't allow a Chilul Hashem? The details of the mitzvah shouldn't be allowed to happen now, even though it can lead to a greater hidr of the Gaullah later. Later Yeshua, according to those stages of it's and Etzem from Kiddush Hashem. Since now you're lacking in the basics of Kiddush Hashem. It's a very important detail that you're missing even though in any case the situation of the Chorban doesn't bring out a Kiddush Hashem and Kiddush Hashem Yisrael. the Chorban in itself is a terrible uh, situation but it doesn't have to be into the depth in which it happened it doesn't have to be a fox running into Kiddush HaKadoshim it doesn't have to be that the Romans have power even after the Beis Amidish was destroyed is so therefore it's not it doesn't matter that this will eventually lead to a greater Hidur by suffering Kiddush Hashem and an even um, a greater an elevated level of Kiddush Hashem and therefore they said we don't want to give up on the details of a mitzvah in order to gain a greater Hidur later on and that's why they started crying of a shit as Rabbi where approach was, as the Hidur is in Klolos and is Machria, that the fact that it will lead to a more beautified Mitzvah in the future, that takes precedence. That should outweigh Lagabi Aprat in the Mitzvah over missing a detail in the Mitzvah right now. And the Far is the Shpetta de Gehid Noisav in, in Klolos in Yen Kiddush Hashem goiver. and therefore the Hidur that will be added to the Kiddush Hashem, to the basic Kiddush Hashem, that will eventually happen, if it's more important than the destruction, than the Chil Hashem that is happening now, it's the in the Metsam for Kiddush Hashem, on the Fah Masachik, and therefore he said, it's well worth having the Hidur in the future, even though we're missing an important element of Chil Hashem, of Kiddush Hashem right now. Yudalev. That is speaking about this issue in general terms. Protius, speaking more in specifically. There is something novel. He asked before why do we have to be told all three stories? All the, you know, Rabbi Kiba's original story and these two. So he says there's something novel that is brought out by the second story even more than the first story. In the Aladrai in regards to all these three details, which three details? The call the Rahman al-Tababid, as we see that whatever Hashem does, he does for the good. The second point, whether we should consider now that it will lead to something in the future, as you said about the fasting on Tzum the, Gedalia on the, on the, in regards to Yom Kippur. And the third thing, in the mitzvah, is machriel gabehidur and close mitzvah, whether missing a detail of the mitzvah, but going for the greater hidr in the general situation. Well, in all these three things, we see something novel in the second story over the first story. called le tab avid is the pirush when Rabbi Kibez says that whatever Hashem does, He does for the good. What does that mean? As behove is the sarah. What's happening right now is a bad situation, is a painful situation. Nor the machuvim from them is letoi, but the reason that we're being subjected to this bad situation is because it will lead to something positive in the future. When we see from the story of Rabbi Kiva himself. was fell the fact that he had to sleep outside in the field, outside the city, rather than in the city, and the fact that he lost his donkey, and his rooster, and that the candle blew out in the wind, although it led to a favorable result for him, that he was saved and spared from being killed by those people Thus which means the things that happened to him, that he had to sleep in a field, that his donkey was killed and so on, those were painful things to him. events but it led to another favorable outcome. Pisa is moving so based on this we understand stimmt din was the Based on this, we can understand another halacha that the Gemara says, that if something, God forbid, a bad thing happens to a certain person, even though this will eventually lead to a positive result outcome for him, for instance, if somebody's field was flooded by a river, you know, the river overflowed and flooded his field, even though eventually when the water settles it will be a favor for him it means it watered his field his field will be nicely saturated so right now it's a bad thing that he has a flood in his field eventually as the water settles it will become a good thing you have to make a bracha, the bracha that is made when something bad happens because now it's not a good thing, eventually it'll be a good thing, then you could treat it as a good thing, but now it's a bad thing so now you have to treat it as a bad thing so that's why the Gemara says you should make that bracha, because eventually it'll be good, but now it's bad so in, when you say everything that Hashem does is for the good Kiva. They also agree that even when the bad thing is happening, you should say that Hashem does it for the good and eventually it will lead to something good. But for now, you, they saw it as something bad. Their uftu bin didan is what was novel about this situation, as in their, in their raw gufa, that in the bad thing itself, shul Shiotsama abeis kaydash agadoshim, in the second story. When the uh, they saw when the rabbi kiva saw the fox coming out of the kodesh gadol, he didn't see this that it would lead to a positive outcome. Nor gizen he saw this as the beginning of the the good thing that's happening. similar to what our sages tell us if in Hashem is Hamasi. There's a pasuk in Eicha that says, Hashem expended His anger, ala etzim on the, on the uh, wood and the stones. Which in the simple meaning means, He expressed His anger against the Beis HaMikdash. He destroyed the building in the Beis HaMikdash. So the, our sages tell us, that this is actually a blessing. Ala etzim avonim, Yisrael, that He expended His anger against wood and stone, rather than against the Jewish people themselves similar to what you say you know, somebody gets very angry at someone and he punches the wall instead of punching the person in the face which is what he really wants to do so punching the wall is really a favor for the person that he's angry at when the far is by us uh, so therefore he says he expended his anger until it was over until the anger was over against wood and stone and therefore he left the Jews more or less alone in other words he could have God forbid destroyed them he didn't he destroyed the Beis Amidish instead when the fad is by Asaf and Asaf, uh, and therefore the uh, the uh, peder I think it's Ayin Mizmer Asaf. It says a song unto Asaf. It doesn't say a mourning, a mournful tune unto Asaf. What does he talk about there? It talks about the destruction of the of Hamikdash. So why is he singing about it? Nor Mizmer la Asaf, for the same reason. On um, is vas his so where where did Hashem where was the final anger expressed where did he finish expressing his anger that now it was over his anger was gone that was Shulim bebeis, bebeis that happened when he did the worst thing possible which was that the foxes went into the here he was finally finished with his anger when uh, Yerushalayim became a heap of stones so that was where he finished his anger so in other words Rabbi Kivas saw that this is not the uh, bad thing which leads to a good thing this is already the good thing this is the beginning of the good thing because Hashem is finished with his anger here we see that the anger is gone so that's already the beginning of the uh, that's where we see already the blessing begin so that was the second story in the but in, the, in regards to the first story, Even though Rabbi Kiva was a re, laughing there too, when is and in that story there is also something greater than simply whatever Hashem does, He does for the good. Otherwise, it would just be the same as Kol David Rachmana. There would be no reason to tell that first story because it's just the same as Kol Manda Av so no that story also brought out a, an elevated level of Kolmanda of that's why the story is told what are what is it how is it elevated over the ordinary Kolmanda Ovid, which is number one as as latav as first of all in in the story of Kolmanda of Rahmana you know that it's going to lead to something good, that you have no idea how it's good, and you don't see where the good is. You have to wait for that outcome. And number two, Essadro Oslotov, Ovid. It's a bad story which leads to a good a result.. But imagine that there was no need to have the negative story that would lead to the positive story. If in that story of Rabakiva, nothing had happened, for instance, let's say he didn't, he wouldn't have had a donkey to begin with. He'd be walking along the road without a donkey, without a rooster, without a candle. So then there would be no need to destroy his rooster and his uh, donkey and his candle. So it would have led to the same result so he would have been saved from those killers anyway so, yeah, so therefore there's two things about that story one is you don't see what the result will be, maybe later you'll know what the, what the good is in addition to that, we could have done without the whole drama he could have just been walking without any of those things and it would lead to the same result that he was saved from the, uh, from the killers but in the second story uh, sorry the first story that is told in Marcus where when he saw what the Rome in its power and he said that if Hashem does this for the, those who violate certainly for those who keep his will so number one it's not just that he he figures, he believes that there will be a good outcome. He can see the good outcome. He already sees that if Hashem is doing this for them, how much more is He going to do for us? He already knows the good outcome. And number two, as in That if there hadn't been Roman power, so then we wouldn't be able, there would be no, if He does it for Rome, He'll certainly do it for the Yidden. There wouldn't be that, he'll certainly do it for the Eden because he doesn't do it for them, he doesn't do it for us. So, by doing it for them, we gain from it also. We gain from the fact that w- our enemy is in power. So, there is a, a novel, two novel ideas, which come out from the story, the first story of Machis, over the story with Rabakiva and his donkey, and so on that story. But thus is in is a in the, but over there, the, the fact that Rome is in power is not yet the beginning of the reward, the reward for the Eden. It will lead to a reward for the Eden, but he doesn't see it yet as the beginning of that reward. Whereas in the second story, the, uh, the fact that it, Hashem already expended his anger in the worst way possible that is already the beginning of the relief that already leads to the relief, the, the relief has begun the ge'ula has begun so to speak so we see already why there is a need to tell the three stories in regards to the question of Kolmanda Ovid Rahmana. each story brings out a higher level in Kolmanda Ovid Rahmana. Gimel. And thus is the Tambus No. We're up to Yud base. in the And the same also you need in the in regards to the other two questions that he said. In regards to the question of that the eventual results take precedence over what is happening now mitzvah is prata Also, in regards to the question of if the general hider of the mitzvah will compromise one of the details of the mitzvah, which takes precedence, is Tam der And as Rabbi saw, Rabbi Kiva saw it as the hider takes precedence, and what will happen eventually takes precedence over what is happening now. So is the, the tam the Tamda val dos is Over there, what does it mean? There are two situations, two ways with two um, conflicting situations and one is allowed to take precedence over the other. Thus haste. In the the is a it's true that right now you're going to be compromising what you're doing now, let's say in the in the question of eating on uh, fasting on uh, on Tsum Gedalia, you're not going to be able to fast on Tsum Gedalia in order to be able to fast on Yom Kippur. And if you have to wait for a more beautified way of performing a mitzvah, you're going to give up on doing it now. Nor the Mile of Asid, but because there is a greater quality in that will be realized, that will be able to be accomplished in the future, when the is Geiber Machiyad and the fact that you'll be able to do a more beautiful mitzvah in general overpowers the fact that you'll be able to do it immediately which is generally what happened in the first story that there was a terrible happening now but we ignore that in order that there should be a greater Kiddush Hashem in the future but in our case when it comes to the second story so here it's not just that you have two conflicting situations. We have to allow one to take precedence over the other. Nor in the nor the Asid. Rather, what it is, is when Rabbi Kiva looks at the situation, he doesn't see a conflicting situation. He looks at the situation as it is now, and he sees the result that will happen in the future. Thus, haste. As the Kiddush Shem Shemayim Asid, that the greater way in which Hashem's name will be sanctified and the Yidden's name will be sanctified in the future as a result of having sunk to the lowest level now, it will go to the highest level later. (laughs) Rabbi Kiva sees that Kiddush Hashem coming as a direct result of this chil Hashem and therefore he sees the Kiddush Hashem beginning from this chil Hashem it is a direct result from it it starts from the depth of the Chil Hashem is what gives allows for the eventual Kiddush Hashem in the fact that what seems now to be a terrible Chil Hashem he sees it as the precursor to the great Kiddush Hashem that will happen in the future not that it's a conflict; you have to give up one for the other. He sees only what it's leading to in the second story. Yud Gimel. On in the And that's the reason that when did they express akiva? You have comforted us only in this after the second story onishin the eshter, not in the first story. Why the chiddushim in pirusha inya Shul yetsem beis kedusha the novel idea that Rabbi Kiva brought out from that second story, from the fox coming out of the Kedisha which uh, so he ex- expressed his opinion and how it overrides the opinion of the other Tanoim, was his is in that they cried as a result of it, and Rabbi Kiva's reaction, which was that he laughed. Is in two ways. It overpowers their approach in two ways. And the two ways are: starts from a smaller chiddush and goes to a higher chiddush. They saw a negative thing happening. Which brings them to cry. Tafman Kup Noiv Dem Rabbi Kiva said, No, not only do we have to look at it as a positive thing, Kiddishem Shemaim, Shem Yisoel that this is what will allow that the Kiddishem Shemaim and the future of the Yidn and Hashem will be in its ultimate state. But it's even more than that. He saw it not that now we're suffering. And then unrelated or whatever, it leads to an eventual positive result, which is a different positive result than the negative result that happened here. Nor rather, what he sees is, does his ain inyan, he sees it as one continuous thing, one leads into the other. He doesn't see it as two unrelated things. We have to suffer and compromise the Kiddush Hashem now so that it will lead to some eventual Kiddush Hashem. He sees it as one g- coming from the other he sees them to, the two as linked as one continu- continuum yeah. he saw it as the destruction is not to be seen as destruction it's just like plowing a field nobody looks at plowing a field as a destructive act they see it only as the necessary uprooting the field in order to be able to plant and therefore have good uh, growth. So he saw the tzien, uh, tzien sadat acharish, the, the fox coming out of, the, uh, out of the, the Kedush HaGadoshim as what allows for the greater Kedush HaShem that will happen, the ultimate Kedush HaShem that will happen when the Gula comes is the and that's what's called a double comfort. The Sha. first of all it'll bring to a much more beautiful future. And number two as the nechama is done, the Polish that it's not something that comes in the future but that it comes from the present. It comes from the present. so even the it's a beautiful future which starts now. that's the double comfort. When the he of them is, and the uh the Khsiba Italy Adim Namonim uhsaria kayimbeshaybenya viracha toa kasov. Where does he know that this is how it works? He knows it from the Pasik. The Pasik Alan the Pasik itself tells us A dozain and Nish Kent Sai Bazunar Zahan that these are not two unrelated things, nor doesin an aints but that really one and the same. U Kamoy gedir Like for instance and uh, a halachic uh, principle we see when there is a, a pair of witnesses we know that the Torah requires that there should be two witnesses but the two witnesses make up the body of the witnesses which are necessary to establish the fact, so the two become one entity so he sees this in the same way and in the two prophecies of Zechariah and Uriah, they make up one body of a testimony, of a prophecy. Together, they bring out that prophecy of the great Geula, which the great future that will happen. It's from the prophecy of Uriah that there will be a terrible Tzim sadat the Choresh uh, that leads to the great glorious future that the Geula will be in the highest way possible also. Mashain came by the Ashtassipur, whereas when we talk about the first story, for in the first story where he was laughing, it's He was laughing because if Hashem does this to those who violate his will, certainly that'll do it for the ones. And how much more so will do it for the ones that fulfill his will is thus nor lush uh nor lashes Kiva. That only works according to Rabbi Kiva. The Andra Tanoi Mabazani Giblib Bazayadeya they remain with their opinion. Especially that the two don't seem to be linked. The fact that the Romans are having a good time is not necessarily linked to the fact that the Yidden will have a better time. It's just that you can learn one from the other, but one doesn't lead to the other. It's not that the Romans are having such a good time, so therefore that will lead to the Yidden having a good time not at all it's just the proof that it will be better for the Yidden whereas by the and Shadat Achoresh it's because of the depth of the, uh, the Golas that it will lead to the greatest Gullah one leads to the other one of them, had a he kenrayanish from pasuk, and for this he didn't pr- bring any proof from the pasuk. in them like he did in the second story. From be Not sure what that parenthesis says, but what he's saying is that the uh, in the first story, they didn't say Akiva and because they weren't, they didn't see it fully the way Rabbi Akiva sees it because the two are unrelated but in the second story one leads to the other so there they too saw it in the same way as Rebbe Kiva based on this we can now explain why the Gemara lists all the names of the Tanoim that were involved in the story (inaudible) because that explains why they had a different Opinion, why the three were on one side and Rabbi Kiva saw it differently. Rabbi Gavlil was given a Nasi. Rabbi was the leader of the... He was the Nasi of the Yid. Ash Yisrael. He was a Yisrael, which was Meshavit Yehuda from the tribe of Yehuda. He was a direct descendant of uh, David melech Rabbi Lozabon Azari is given a Kayin. Ezra. He was a Kayin who was the 10th generation of Ezra, uh, the Navi Ezra. On Rabbi Yeshua was given a Levi, and Rabbi Yeshua was a levy from those who sang in the base of On the other hand, Rabbi Kiva is given Ben Gairim. Rabbi Kiva descended from Gairim, so all of them had terrific yichas. They had, they came from uh, great stock, and Rabbi Kiva came was a uh, Ben Gairim. But pashtos verkenzen on ufton in laumaze in tzada simply spoke, said. Who has a better ability to be able to accomplish, to see what's happening on the other side and the side of the negative, and to be able to accomplish on that side too? Bitul <inaudible> von to be able to bring about the neutralizing evil <inaudible> even when the evil in its, it is in its most powerful state <inaudible> who is able to see the positive side of the Horban? in a way that brings to double comfort who has a better insight into the opposing side into the opposite side it's someone that himself lived on that side he sees what can be done on the other side similar to what the Gemara says it was specifically Evadya the prophet he was the one that was able to prophesize about the collapse of Edom, of the, the nation of Edim because he himself was a, a convert from Behind Edim as uh, this is based on what people say there is an expression that says that from the wood, from the tree itself you make a handle to the hatchet in order to be able to chop down the tree so the tree itself provides the means through which you're able to chop down trees so it is a vadya because he comes from Edom. therefore he was able to prophesy about the destruction of Eden. same thing with Rabbi Kiva, he came from Gatim he came from the other side, therefore he was able to see, have insight into what is the way to approach it, what do, what do we see, what can we do about that Schenken a ben Yisraw, whereas a somebody that comes from the Jewish nation itself, Saya Kayin, Saya Levi, whether it's a Kain or Levi Yisraw, Kendas Nizzem maatsma, he doesn't see, he doesn't have that insight. By M is the Sahidish, by him it's something that has to be pointed out. It's something novel. It's something that Rebbe Kiva has to bring it to their attention. While Derah Zen, the Khilikzhaira Shitzba Allah and the same is true about their approach to the questions of Allah that we discussed. on the one hand what is uh, what comes uh, what's more dominant, what should be given precedence, the present or the future. And a a mitzvah and close a mitzvah or in the same question of whether you should go for the fulfilling every detail in the mitzvah or try to get a more beautiful situation for the general performance of the mitzvah we also see the difference between them. It's specifically Rabbi Kiva that in addition to the fact that he was also a descendant of converts, He himself began to learn Torah only when he reached the age of 40 if Rabbi Kiva would have looked at the present when he was 40 years old he would have said let's look at the present what am I now? what are my chances now? he never would have been able to become the Rabbi Kiva that he became it was only because he was able to look into the future and to see what is the result of what he can do uh, uh, that which could happen what potential does he have and in fact it did actually happen he did realize his potential he looked at what could happen in the future and he made it happen he saw it clearly he saw when the water was dripping on the rock and it made a hole in the rock so he saw that if a hard rock water, which is soft could eventually wear it down so he said, I myself, I'm not a rock so the Torah drip by drip, drop by drop will also m- penetrate my mind that brought him to start studying Torah and the way that it's explained in the Gemara <coughs> so therefore uh, we understand now why Rabbi Kiva looks at the future and he looks at the general uh, picture that we want a beautiful situation rather than let's deal with the, with the present the present would have overwhelmed him he wouldn't have been able to deal to become who he was and, but they they came from Yichus uh, so they looked at the present and the present was good Tezvav our pize yeshloima based on this we can also say that this is oich the asbarin the miyser and from the nacham bekefliyim that this is also something in addition to that's what the nacham bekefliyim nachamu nachamu ami if kholos agolos vachor benim oif and full and that when we talk about he asked before the question that you know what what would you expect other than a double comfort if the golos was they were stricken doubly, so then of course the, the comfort should be double. So he says no. But now we can understand how the Nechama is more than just a response to the to being struck doubly. The in them etz What does it mean that they were stricken doubly? That is because in addition to the regular, to the just the idea of the korban and the when kiddush yisrael and the fact that it led to a general chil hashem is der chil hashem shem yisrael The double strike was that there was a deep chil hashem, a fox coming out of the and so on. That it was uh, happened in the most terrible way possible that it was done in a way that was more than necessary just to cause a destruction in Agolus as these sages expressed it that it's not just the Chorban it's that it's done in such a terrible way so in accordance with this you also have a comfort which is double and in addition to the fact that the, the, um, the comfort is that it will reveal to us why the golos was necessary. The comfort is not just that we are relieved from the gollus, but also that we will understand why it was necessary and what it accomplished for us that all this was, in order to allow for the revelations that will happen when Mashiach comes. So in addition to that, in addition to that, we will also be able to understand why it was necessary that it should be a double um, strike, that it should be done in the most terrible way possible. And that understanding why the double strike will also be understood in such a way that it will be understood as a double comfort and as we understand it to its ultimate. Not only will we, it will be able to under- appreciate that it was worthwhile that there should be such a great goal as such a deep goal because it leads to the ultimate beauty of the future norman hereth as the table mile in they suffer bhurmgalos gufa is if them zokmen a on a but what that we see so we will also see that what was the how Hashem did us a favor by making it into the deepest golos possible. And that's why we say, that's why it says, Until, I thank you, Hashem, because you punished me. The question is, what do you mean that you thank Hashem because He punished you? You could say, you thank Hashem although He punished you. But no, the, the thing is, we when we will realize that the punishment was what led to the great and beautiful and glorious Geula, that we have, so then we will thank him for having done it in the most worst poss- way possible, because that's what leads to the most beautiful result. <coughs> Based on this, we can also say that this, uh, which is alluded to in our Parsha, as our sages tell us, and Rashi also quotes it, then he gave some unzog in regards to what it says in the Parsha of ki soil le banum ibnay banivena shantem bar it's when you will give uh, well you will have children and you will become you will become uh, settled in the land so the word venashantem rashi says is is <laughs> lahem this was an a hint to the yidden shayiglu memen al-sayf khasmayez the non that they will go into galus at nashantem they will remain in their soil only the of is 852 years. Kamin of as the, the numerical value of Inishantem. In the end, what did he do? In the end, Hashem sent us into Golos at the end of 850 years, not 852 years. He sent us into Golos two years before we reached the number of Inishantem because what does it say after you will become accustomed to living in the land and then you will learn bad ways and you will be destroyed so because he didn't want us to get to the point of that we have to need to be destroyed therefore he took us in, it took us out of Israel and sent us into the two years before we got to there that Hashem was, He was diligent about sending us into gullus. What does that mean? Diligent about sending us into gullus? That He watched carefully, and He He brought the gullus two years earlier so that we wouldn't get to the point of no return in in which avet tevedon God could have happened. To says nishna the the from gufa. In other words, in other words, not only is there a value to the gullus itself because it leads to the gula. As the Posek in our Pasha says, that when you go into Golis, then from far away you will be searching for Hashem. When you go into Golis, you will be searching for Hashem. And you will find him. You will search for him with all your heart. And this will lead you to return to Hashem. So there is a certain value in the Golis itself because it causes a yearning from the Yidn to Hashem. But in addition to that, ner in but that there is even a value in going into Golos even early than we should, than we needed to. As the kedimus the the that the going early the, uh, neutralized the destruction, God forbid, of the yid. So that's the double comfort that we find in the parsha itself, in addition to what we find in the haftarah. On Durochma, Seinu Avayda, Seinu Esholz Managolus, and through our Avayda during the Golus, that Mezayiches Zayim Begilim Mamish, no Nachmu Nachmu, we will be able to realize in a revealed way the Nachmu Nachmu and Nachmer to Noichi Noichi and even to a higher level of Hashem Himself delivering the uh, comfort rather than the Prophet giving the comfort as is a Nachmu Nachmu, but it eventually leads to a Noichi Noichi, Hashem Himself giving the comfort, Bevius Mashiach Sitkenu with the arrival of Mashiach.